On this episode of the Fantasy Joes, we talk about some veteran wide receivers to acquire on the cheap. You are listening to the Fantasy Joes Podcast, your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on Dynasty. And now, here are the Joes, Will Greenwood, Ryan Livergood, and Jake Patterson. That's right, we're the Fantasy Joes. It's Jake, Will, and Ryan. What's going on? Um, we are going to jump into it. We're going to talk about some veteran wide receivers at Target. But first, I'll ask, gentlemen, how are you doing this evening? Will Greenwood in the Pillow Palace. What's up? Oh, it is a great, great night in the Pillow Palace. I wrote out these wide receivers to buy a, few, a couple of weeks ago, and they've held strong. And in the, these kind of like dynasty doldrums, if you had your rookie drafts, you know, like right after the draft, or kind of this middle part. There's a, I, I, I got, I got some good players for y'all, y'all to grab up. Jake, are you worried that we're recording? Julio is still in Atlanta for the time being, but he's going to get traded. Is that going to throw off any of the guys we're going to recommend on the show? I'm not sure. I don't. Uh, I think we're okay. I think we're going to be okay. Guys, before we get into wide receivers, I want to get to our tweet of the week, and the tweet of the week has to do with a couple of sophomore running backs so it's from andrew metcalf at drew met underscore ff i want to see where people stand on these two popular fellows today dynasty preference and you have two options you got deandre swift or antonio gibson it seems like antonio gibson is a guy that is um picking up some momentum in terms of value jake i know you're a big fan of antonio gibson but we, we also like uh deandre swift so who you got in dynasty you got gibson or swift Jake, why don't you go first? Can you go wrong with either guy? Uh, I love these guys. I have, I think I'm above consensus on both of them. They're both in my second tier of running backs after the Jonathan Taylor, Barkley, McCaffrey types. I like the last year's running back class is just super elite compared to others. I love them all. Um, having to pick between <laughs> Swift and, and Gibson is tough. They both have. Um, super high ceilings. I think they could both be um, running back ones. I don't know if I see it this year for Swift, where Gibson, I probably could see it this year. Um, I got them neck, I got them side by side in my rankings. So that's why it's tough. Um, I'm looking at it on my rankings and I have. It was Swift an answer, ahead. Jake. I got Swift ahead of my rankings. <laughs> yeah, let's get here. Let's get here. <laughs> I think I'm going to take Gibson, though. Okay. Ooh, okay. <laughs> but it was close. It was close. It was no, close. it is like. It's a dead heat. I don't think you can go wrong. Um, the one knock on Gibson right now is he's dealing with a toe injury. So there could be some doubt there, but I, I it's remember June. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, right? And uh, I remember in the off season last year, Kamara was dealing with an injury and a lot of people worried about it. And Kamara turned into <laughs> Kamara so dealing with a holdout injury. He kind of won you. You're, you're no, I think you, uh, I remember everyone was worrying that he got like a tortoral shot or something in like the first week or it was something along those lines where people were worried anyways. And uh, cause I remember stopping drafting early in best ball. I thought it was easier to avoid him in the first round. And like I said, he was a league winner. I think Gibson mm. has that potential this year. I think so. I, right. I'm full on Gibson here over Jandre Swift. Really? And I'm not going to pay that much on top of uh Jandre Swift or, or if anything to get Gibson, I think it could make that deal. But yeah, I think I think Gibson has the build to be one of those elite running backs in the NFL. Swift doesn't. He's not in the offense. He's not on a team that we should trust. Uh, Gibson did what he did last year on a team that we shouldn't have trusted anyway. And he is, oh, I just, 
I think Gibson is like the he's like a almost like a like a slightly shorter David Johnson clone. And you remember how many fantasy points David Johnson put up? It was a whole bunch. It was just under McCaffrey's best season. So I think if you want to go like full on ceiling, Gibson has it. DeAndre Swift does not have that full on ceiling, in my opinion. I do think DeAndre Swift is a great NFL player and he'll be a part of that team. But I, I guys, I'm, I just love DeAndre Swift as a player. For fantasy, though, we are overhyping him far too much. What, like, I don't know. I, I, am I way wrong here, Ryan? Are you, are you taking Are you taking uh, Swift over Gibson? You know, for me, it's super close. Um, but why is it super close? Like Gibson performed so much better. Yeah, but because Swift is a, a really talented running back, and he is an excellent pass catcher. I, I mean, I, I know Gibson was a kind of a former wide receivers. So they both both have ca- pass catching skills, but um, you know, and and I. I, I mean, I guess, oh man, it's, it's tough. I mean, that, that's why I asked it. It's actually, if you want to know what Twitter says, they, they got Swift 51%, Gibson 49%. So it's like, it pretty much is a dead heat with, with 17 hours left when I pulled this up. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess part of me has a bias towards what I thought of these guys. And I have, I have a lot of Antonio Gibson. Fortunately, I was, I was, um, um, able to get him in the second round of, of rookie drafts last year. Um, I don't have as much Swift, but but Swift was you know at one point in the process for me the number one running back in that uh, 2020 running back class. So it's hard for me to get away from that, honestly. Will in my so head, I, so I so probably I, I, lean Swift because I think he's at the end of the day I think he's a more more well-rounded, talented running back. Although I do worry about the whole Detroit situation, but they've invested in that offensive line, and you know, theoretically they'll get better, but. You know, it's not like Washington is actually exactly a juggernaut offense either. I don't think anyone's arguing Washington is better than Detroit. Oh, I would say Washington's offense would be better than Detroit. They got Ryan Fitzpatrick back there. Is it obvious that their offense is going to be better? I, I, yeah. I don't necessarily know that it, I mean, I think if I had to bet, I would bet on, on the Washington football team, a better, better offense, but I don't think it's obvious because it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and um, as much as we love him, you know, in the, in the fantasy community, um, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, well, and I think they're both they could be better than a lot of people think. Well, they're, they're like, they're like, uh, Swift also passes the eye test when we watch him play. He's a very electric player, but in the receiving game, he's still only five, eight, uh, it's only Gibson six foot. So he's got four inches, inches on him. And it was a pass, like a much better pass catcher in college overall. And then what they did is they, they, they wrote him like they ran him through the middle. Uh, at Washington last year, and he succeeded. I, I think that we are going to miss out on potentially being not high enough on Gibson coming into the season for him to have just an absolute blow up here. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I would, I would trade my Swift for for Antonio Gibson. Again, we, I would we try love, to get some more, but we love I, both guys here, right? Yeah, I, well, I love Gibson. I like Swift. You, uh, you compared Swift to, or sorry, you compared Gibson to David Johnson. Uh, a guy that's in Northern Iowa. Got my a guy that's license there. A guy that Swift compares to, um, and it's been talked about this offseason, is Alvin Kamara. You got a, only a two inch height difference, so I get you're saying Swift is short, but two inches isn't isn't that. He's big. not. Alvin, he's, he's not, not a big Alvin difference. Just, just ask my Alvin wife. Kamara, Alvin Kamara's the best. <laughs> just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, that, if if he you gets that kind of usage, I don't think uh, Jamal Williams is going to get tons of usage probably Latavius Murray kind of role, but I don't think Swift is getting off the field. Like, I think they just move Swift wide. Like they don't have 
the receiving core to take him off the field. So I think both are going to be fantastic. And like they both have their knocks right now in a toe injury, Jamal Williams, it's like their worries. But these guys have huge ceilings too. The toe injury in June is our worry about it's a, uh, it's the same toe injury from last year and it's still bothering him. So like I think that's not the fact that it's June, it's the fact that it's the same one from last year and it's a little still toward bothering. all shot each week though, prime up for game day. I don't think it's actually a worry at all, but uh yeah. My, I, I I tried to trade uh Zeke Elliott straight up for Antonio Gibson in the offseason and got denied. I would deny it too easily. That that's hard. I still think uh not not to like feel like move off topic but like zeke has that workload guaranteed to him he's gonna have so much so much eaten in that in that offense we're talking dynasty um but dynasty running backs give me one peak season of any running back versus like the wide receiver 18 or sorry running back 18 year over year i think gibson could have scored elliott this year yeah i do too i just compared him to dave johnson that peak season but that's why i offered it I would deny that trade as well. And I think most people would. And I think people are down on Zeke in general, but there is a world where Zeke could be the, you know, a, a league winner. He could be running back one and just smash because that Dallas offense should be primed and ready to go with Dak back. Their defense is still going to be pretty bad. They're going to be a lot of shootouts. So um, it, it, it's kind of, that's why this is fun because some people may look at it differently. They may think, well, let me grab Zeke and hopefully get a couple of really huge years from him. Or, or you might think, okay, Antonio Gibson clearly is the is the guy because he's going to break out and could outproduce Zeke this year, and you've got so many more years on the, so many much more tread on the tires, right? So, anyway, guys, do we do we want to get into wide receivers now? Veteran wide receivers, huh? I was going to mention one yeah. more thing. Is that cool? Of course. Okay, I got one more. Um, just a little preview for my rankings coming to the Patreon show. So if you want to get the full mix, join our Patreon. I got Antonio Gibson and Swift, as I mentioned, in my tier two. I got Ezekiel Elliott down in tier five. That's about Ooh. 10 to 12 running backs in between. You what? got Elliott in a tier with Eckler and Mixon and Chubb. And you got Gibson with... Whoa, Swift you got Chubb down there? Types. Yeah, I do. Oh I my gosh. I, I, I just, just a preview. No, I, I do Join the Patreon. To, I, I, so I'm a huge Chubb fan. Uh, but I was, I was a... Uh, Sorry, Michelle. Over so is my wife. Man. What my my biggest? I like this. I like this. Cut it out, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> Honestly, Jake, your wife and I have a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I, I, I think, but I think that the the whole knee thing with Chubb is like, are we not looking at another Todd Gurley situation in a couple of years? That that's the thing. Like catastrophic knee injury coming back from it, that arthritis might come back in the next couple, like, couple of years. You have to be worried about that. That's why when I try to move for Chubb, I'm not trying to move, like, future assets for him. I'm trying to move, like, like aging assets. Or, like, maybe just one future one. Maybe not, like, too many futures for him. But I think also Chubb has that upside to be the running back one next year. But it, it kind of sucks because Kareem Hunt is still such a good running back and still in that backfield. The gap so, for me and, comes from the three-year age difference between the 2020 rookies and, like, the – the guys were at 25, 26. Clearly they're yeah, in the but, prime, yeah, but, but they're but, about to be over the hill. But the 2020 rookie sucked for 50% of the season last year. Aker sucked 50% of the season or more. Swift sucked 50% of the season or more. J.K. Dobbins sucked 50% of the season or more. Uh, Jonathan Taylor sucked 50% of the season or more. Like, CEH was like, he was fine, but he wasn't what you want out of CEH. Like, that's, 
we're expecting these big boom from these guys from coming from 2020 because they ended the season better. But we've also seen it in the past where, where, where this doesn't just continue. I'm buying, I like, I'm more willing to buy into that they do do better, that they do do better. You do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's, it's not a guarantee, Jay. It's Absolutely. like, we're, we're riding this wave of, of this rookie hype, but Akers wasn't relevant. It's like 10 weeks into the season last year. Dobbins was hard to start any week. It just felt like not hard to start any week, but early on, it was just, he was, wasn't seeing the field. Uh, Jerry Swift, after he dropped that first touchdown catch to lose that game, he wasn't started before a couple of weeks. CEH was like, yeah, you're plugging him because you paid a lot for wherever you got him, but he, he didn't win you weeks. He, it was tough. It was a really tough year for these rookies. And we're forgetting that in dynasty. I'm not looking to acquire the Todd Gurley like the year before Todd Gurley falls off a cliff or do you know what I mean? Like I'd rather take, obviously there's risk, but I think there's risk with even the players who have, you've seen it before. I don't like necessarily, like I don't like acquiring just because you've seen it before. You're not acquiring those past fantasy points, right? Like we're, we're buying into a future, right? We're buying into a, a guess or a projection. So while I completely agree, like we, we know, I don't even want to use Ezekiel Elliott because I feel like we don't even know um, what Ezekiel Elliott's uh, really is. But uh, like that's even these aging assets have just as much risk to me as the youth, right? So I'm just trying to buy a few extra years. Or even if Gibson, CEH, they don't hit this year to the degree of these superstar older running backs, they're still going to have the value the year later. Where even if Derrick Henry has this fantastic year, his value of the year after is nothing like it's not better. If anything, it's worse because if he's got a year older where if Gibson has a, a, a mediocre season, I don't see his value going out the window unless Washington is acquiring a, a like another running back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, you, you gotta that's buy what, into that's, that's what we got to just go zero, you know, um, zero RB, you know, just, just, just trade all these guys for the AJ Browns of the world just roll out a bunch of stud wide receivers and, and, and then you're starting uh, Chase Edmonds and, you know, Miles Gaskin and, and you'll be fine. Last year the wide receiver talk. No, <laughs> like uh, last, last year would have worked out, worked out well though. If you had James Robinson and like, if you scooted like Jonathan Taylor in the third round and you had, you had a team that could make it that far. And then you also were able to grab Mike Davis, but there's a, like Jonathan Taylor is the only guy that really boomed. Like, but like Antonio Gibson, he was he was getting there. But so that's uh, what I'm saying. I like the aging vets that don't come at the cost of Ezekiel Elliott. Like, give me the Mike Davis, give me the Chris Carson types. I'll take the risk on them because I'm not having to pay the cost. Or those the are risk, two the, different players, though. They're not the, the risk of the sunk cost. Well, Gaskin, whoever you want to say, like James Robinson from last year. Okay, I, I, I will be, say, I will say, Jake, you probably will be surprised what you might be able to get Zeke for in a league because I, th- I think a lot of people are thinking that, like, I need to move on from Zeke Elliott. I need to move on from. We were just talking about Alvin Kamara earlier, and, and I was talking about before we start recording how he's a kind of a tough guy to sell. You're just not to Dalvin Cook, I think, is a very tough guy to sell in Dynasty because you're not going to get the value that those guys actually provide to your team because people are afraid. Well, they're a little bit older. You know, Dalvin Cook breaks down a little bit. Zeke is older. He's got a lot of tread on tires and he's kind of a characteristic. So I'm worried about him. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like Dave Johnson outscored Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Miles Sanders, Miles Gaskin, Chase Hessman, Austin Eckler overall last year, not per game. Very important. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. So just go out and get, uh, you know, go but, out and get yourself some David Johnson. 
but but I I do think it doesn't hurt to to see what it, what does it cost to acquire Zeke because you you might be surprised you may be able to piece together a package of guys you just don't you know maybe you could you know get them for seventy five cents on the dollar and just trade some pieces that are not like premium assets to get Zeke because people might just want to move on you know sometimes with those guys if people if someone in your league is motivated enough Zeke could be a, a good value and you're not giving up a lot to get him and he could win you your league so Can I, I, wanna, I don't I, get- I don't want to dismiss anybody just because that they're you know, they're, they're, they're at a certain age. I think we, we should keep an open mind and it's all about the price, right? We'll acquire anyone if the price is right. Can I give a little quick pivot to what I think could actually be a value coming into this season, 17 games, uh, a very well run or like organization, uh, maybe like try to scoop up Naheem Hines on the cheap because they're not going to run Jonathan Taylor into the dirt. And I think that that offense is going to be very, very prolific for the running backs and Marlon Mack, you know, coming back from an Achilles injury. I know more and more people are starting to come back from that, but uh, I'm I'm worried that he's Hines is Hines is super cheap right now. Cause the Jonathan Taylor hype is through the ceiling. As long as that team doesn't also have John or that. Yeah. The team you're trying to trade with doesn't also have Jonathan Taylor. Tough to get a cuff. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with, with targets in that backfield. So Hines saw 76 targets. Taylor saw 40. Does Taylor see more targets, you know, this year? I, I think he might, but I do think that Hines is a is a guy you could get cheap, well, and um, won't cost you much, and he'll he'll produce for you, a guy you can throw in your flex with nothing else. I so. think uh, Darrington Evans might be a sneaky Hines type player too, with the lack of off receiving options on Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, and le- unless Julio, unless Julio's coming to town, Jake, we'll see. That makes it better. The they're not going to throw back? the ball, but like. People say they're not going to throw the ball to Henry. I like to think they will, but they've proven that they won't. So no, it's well, the thing is like Derek Henry's a like a great dump off pass catcher, but his best asset is just wearing down the defense. So that's like his best asset is just pounding these guys time after time after time. And as they say it, the defender starts to make some business decisions in the secondary <laughs> because getting a concussion from Derek Henry like plows India is it worth your the salary of this season. You guys want to guess the backfield with uh, a fewest targets to running backs? It's Baltimore. It, well, it's actually Tennessee, and Baltimore is number two. They're real close, though. Oh, I thought it was Baltimore. Um, yeah, no, no. According to Fantasy Pros, um, Tennessee Titans um, running backs 58 total targets last year, and then Baltimore was 62. So uh, Derrick Henry did see 31 targets, which was seven more than J.K. Dobbins, who only saw 24 targets. They were bringing uh, Jeremy Nichols in to catch passes last year. Oh, they, J- they were. Remember Jeremy 17 Nichols, targets. Though? Yeah. Remember the Jeremy, Jeremy McNichols hype? It could have been great. Can't forget it, but he could have been great. It's possible. Okay. Let's get to this, uh, the vet- veteran wide receivers. Well, let's get to veteran wide receivers, shall we? And. Um, well, so basically we started this a couple episodes ago um, and the uh, Patreon special kind of interrupted this flow that we had going because we talked about some running back veterans that we wanted to target. And so now we're talking about wide receivers. So I, I, the, the theory behind these shows is that it's cheaper to get veteran talent now than it is in season, of course. So who are some guys you can get? Um, I think a lot of these guys are, are relatively low cost. I don't know if you guys have any like high cost wide receivers. I don't think we do. We're not talking about like AJ Brown or anything like that. We're talking about guys that. that oh, I think hold on, I got, I got, I got to take them out of the list. Um, I got pretty... Michael Thomas. <laughs> okay, well, okay, but but 
you know, okay, maybe some exceptions, but we're not talking about the uh, necessarily the elite elite guys. We've got some some higher profile guys, and we've got some some guys that are pretty pretty much off the radar are, are pretty cheap. So let's get into it, Jake. Why don't you go first? Who who's the first wide receiver you want to mention? Veteran wide receivers to target. I got Will Fuller as my first guy. Will Fuller right now has got an ADP at wide receiver forty four. Last year he was wide receiver eight on points per game. I understand he's in a completely new situation, a new team, but like there that is a huge discrepancy. And I'm not usually one to try to acquire last year's points, but I think Will Fuller is good. Like, I don't think that was an aberration by any means. He, I think he is the clear wide receiver one on the team. They obviously just paid a first-round pick to draft Jalen Waddle, who is a very, very similar skill set. But I don't think in year one, Waddle is going to take Will Fuller's opportunity too much. Um, you got Kaseki and Lynn Bowden there. But again, they're not in Will Fuller's role. And I think uh, Will Fuller is going to be prominent in that offense. And if by, by slim chance it doesn't work out in year one with Tua, if Tua is not the guy that we think he could be, it's only a one-year deal. So he's not locked in there either. So even his situation, like it's not a liability. What do you guys think on Will Fuller? It's hard for me to, to well, first of all, I, I own him in way too many leagues. So for me to go out and buy him, it just seems kind of kind of funny. But I, I've always liked Will Fuller. I, I am worried, though, about him in this Miami Dolphins offense. I, I do think that you can make the argument that he is the number one wide receiver, but I'm not 100% convinced of that because of, of Waddle coming in. And, and Devontae Parker, who is not not horrible. Um, but I mean, maybe, maybe he's a horrible dynasty asset, but you know he's he's just good enough to be annoying. So... I'm not sure, but, but I, but I do think that he his, his, his price is probably right. Um, Jake, have you tried acquiring him and what are you seeing him go for? Um, I actually, I'm not really one to acquire wide receiver, like, or go out trying to acquire wide receiver. Um, I might try to throw them in deals. Um, so like it was, a, it was a difficult exercise for me in general because I don't see myself re- Two other guys are deeper guys, so I probably would get them thrown into deals. Um, I see them more as targets as if you're in a draft, these guys are falling and they probably shouldn't be. Yeah, and that's fair. And I'm kind of the same way because I, I I tend to kind of build my teams from the start with a couple of core wide receivers and it's not something I'm looking to acquire. So most of mine are kind of guys that you can acquire for cheap and, and Will Fuller's maybe a guy that I'd have to pay more than I would want for wide, wide receiver help. But I think he's definitely an interesting name. And I think there is a chance he could, he could have a, a, a pretty good year. Uh, Will, what do you think of Will Fuller? Well, I think it's the, it's the, the wide receiver 44 and ADP is what's super low. That's what drives this, right? Is uh that's a little bit too low. He should probably be like early thirties. Uh, Will Fuller does have still a big upside. He's been hampered by injuries year after year. And the, the thing about him is he's still a good wide receiver, despite where he went to college and his fall hand size. Uh, he's been pretty, pretty great for fantasy when you can start him. And if you know, he's in the game, he was, he's a full go. He's been a great, great fantasy asset. So I don't really have a lot to argue argue against this. It's just more of a where I have Will Fuller. I've, you're pretty stuck with him, right? Like you're not you're not like trading Will Fuller for a discount because I want to keep him. Because why why is your 44 ADP? I'm not sending what Will Fuller away for that. 
Uh, I'm willing to acquire for him, but is that like a like like where are you putting this? Are you moving him for like Terrace Marshall? Is that is that what we're looking at right now? Like, would you rather have Will Fuller or Terrace Marshall? That's a that's a great question. I think that's probably is what you're looking at. And for me, it's Will Fuller just based on kind of similar to what Ryan said with the running backs is like the known quantity. Uh, I, I like Marshall a lot. I, I don't know. I, I think the thing with Fuller is that you you do have to kind of worry about what ha- happens to him after it, because is is he on a one year deal? I mean, could could yeah? I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, I think I, I think with Marshall, you know, uh, theoretically in ascending offense, you know, maybe more. I I don't know younger, so I, I would probably go with Marshall. Although I could see the argument for Fuller. So I th- I think in a rookie draft. Where Terrace Paulson being drafted, I would take Will Fuller over that draft pick. But if it comes to like a startup draft, I would take Terrace Marshall over Will Fuller. It's such a weird dynamic. Um, but I think the right choice to do is to take Will Fuller over Terrace Marshall. He's he's uh, you get get three more years out of Will Fuller when he goes to the next team. They they utilize him the right way, even if they don't in Miami. If they do utilize him this the right way this year, you you have another great asset. So. I'm, I'm going to flip-flop here. I'm going to go Will Fuller. They're, they're in right. the same tier for me, so it's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, well, why don't we go on to your um, first wide receiver to, to target here? Oh, most disrespected man in the NFL. That's what you're talking about. It's John Brown. Every year, John Brown is value. He battled through injuries last year. It wasn't a great year, but the year prior to that, he was a, like a clear wide receiver two on, on points per game. He got a little, little bit banged up. Uh, so he, did, he didn't get to experience the Josh Allen boom that we really could have used for John Brown. Now he moves to the Las Vegas Raiders where he potentially has the wide receiver one on that team upside outside uh, of the tight end. So I, I think he could easily finish in that like 20 to 24 uh, ish range in points per game. He's going to miss a few games. You just got to kind of accept that when you're going to buy John Brown, but uh, I really, really want to have John Brown in every single deal I can make as a throw in. The thing is, like, not every team you're going to deal with is that can have that as a throw in, but he will be a starble wide receiver for I don't know 10, 10 weeks of the year next year. So, John Brown, um. So chain like, a, chain like a rookie third round pick. So I think I think one thing we can say about him is I think the price is right because I think John Brown is is very cheap to acquire. I'm not sure how old John Brown is, but he has got to be um, late twenties, maybe pushing thirty. So we can we can look it up. Jake, Jake, what do you think of John Brown? Is is that when you're acquiring John Brown? Is that all you're looking for? Is ten weeks out of this season, like half? Because in a seventeen week season, that's talking about half. Yeah, it's fine. Because uh, we're talking about sixteen week fantasy season, and you'll know the games that he's out. He's a uh, he's thirty one years old. Uh, I I like Smokey Brown. We're talking almost free, right? Like you said, a third round pick. Um, I'd probably lean the third round pick because the wide receivers in that range are falling, and you're talking just like ten more years potential. But John Brown this year is a, is a value absolutely. Like he has the potential to be the wide receiver one on that team. I love him in best balls just from where he's falling. Um, but so on my veterans to acquire list, I have Brian Edwards, which is funny because he's a sophomore, but 
<laughs> he's not he's not really a vet, but so that's who I would, would look to acquire on that team. Um, obviously, we're a dynasty podcast, so we're talking like a ten year age difference. Um, you're probably looking. You might be even looking at a similar price because I think Brian Edwards is that low regarded right now. But I I agree that John Brown is starting the season with way more snaps than Brian Edwards is. Yeah, I think he's that like little like scooping score at the end of a deal if you can get it in there because he he just will be startable, and he's been startable for every time he's been healthy, and and for the last like two years and. John Brown is still that he, he's a better route runner than we give him credit for. And he's if the deep speed is 95% of what it used to be, I, th- I, I think on the Raiders it fits. I was just like he got signed right away. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about John Brown coming to the season, not, not for like anything like spectacular, but serviceable. Your team has to be pretty bad to be starting John Brown too. Like, obviously we're going to be getting into bye weeks and things like that, but depends. Uh, you know, there are some teams, you know, leagues where you're, you know, 14, 16 teams and you're starting, you know, 11, 12 players. So, you know, leagues like that, he's definitely startable. Um, one thing that's interesting with the Raiders, of course, is that they don't throw the ball a lot to their wide receivers. Um, obviously Darren Waller is the, is the, the, the monster of that offense, the Raiders were second um, fewest targets to wide receivers in 2020. Of course, the Baltimore Ravens was first. Um, but Nelson Aguilar, their wide receiver one, is, is no longer there. He's in New England, and he vacates 82 targets. Then you talk about, like, Hunter Renfro was second with 77 targets. Ruggs only had 43. So someone's going to step in and be the wide receiver one. And you may think, well, how valuable is that? Nelson Aguilar was a wide receiver two um in 2020 so uh, you know I, I think there's a chance that both these guys you mentioned uh john brown or edwards could could you know you know be low end wide receiver two um wide receiver three if things play out for them um but but aguilar was a wide receiver two uh, mostly because he had eight touchdowns because he only had 82 targets <laughs> where he catches so so we'll see what happens john brown's better than nelson aguilar yeah i was just about time. to say that yeah. So yeah. that that's kind of where I'm trying to fish for this is, is again, if, if in, in your dynasty leagues or your redraft leagues, if you're uh, just spending everything you can for the top running backs, this is a great little filling. And I, you'll, you'll notice this too. I just try to go for the fr- like fringe guys or older guys or like, I'm trying to make a point. I'm not going for like these like bigger buys. Like he's somebody that nobody talked about buying in the off season. I love him as a, I already said best ball, but if like best ball dynasty leagues, having him at the end of your roster is way better than a third round rookie because you know, he's going to, he's going to get you more points. Yeah. Or fifth round rookie, like Amir Smith, Marset, I'd probably take John Brown over him in a best ball league, which <laughs> breaks my heart. Actually, I take that back. I take Amir Smith, Marset, go Hawks. All right, let's, let's move on guys. I'll, I'll throw out my first one. And I think this is a name that's starting to get a little bit of buzz. But, but I want to throw it out there anyway, because I think he's still cheap to acquire, at least until Julio Jones gets traded. And that's Russell Gage. Um, if you look at Atlanta's targets in 2020, um, they had 395 targets go to the wide receivers. So Calvin Ridley had 143. He's going he's gonna to receive at least the same amount of targets this year. Um, then Russell Gage was 109, mainly because Julio missed so much time. And Julio only had 68 targets. Um, 
Then, you, you know, if you look at the running backs, 106 targets, tight ends, 104 targets, Hayden Hurst had 88 of them. So I'm looking at the targets. I'm thinking there's 600 targets in this offense. Even if Kyle Pitts gets a Kelsey-esque 140-ish targets, which, which is possible, yeah. and let's say Ridley increases his targets to 160, 160-ish range, I still think it's going to leave 110 targets for, Ga- for Russell Gage. He was a wide receiver 37 <laughs> last year. If he has a couple more touchdown catches, he could theoretically be a wide receiver too in 2021. I think he's a guy you could get for cheap. He's not sexy. He's not exciting. But I think there's opportunity there in the offense for him, theoretically. So I like Russell Gage as kind of a sneaky guy to pick up because he, I don't, I, people, you know, he's no one wants Russell Gage, but I think he could produce for you in 2020. I mean, you know, beyond that dynasty, I'm not saying you're going to get a lot, but if you want a cheap, cheap production for, for 2021, I think you could do worse than Russell Gage. Yeah. So uh, the, the Russell Gage versus uh, Olamide or Olamide Zacchaeus, uh, who's, who's better out of that group. I didn't realize Gage had 109 targets last year. That seems too many for him for what, what he was able to produce. So, right. I like, I like what the thought is coming from, but, but people who have Gage on their dynasty roster, like what are they going to move him for now? Because this, Julio Jones basically said he's gone. Uh, they're, they can't even sign their rookies yet. Like is, is Pitts even signed with them because they can't afford it under the cap at this moment. It's a, it's kind of a mess there. So when Julio Jones leaves, this might be the best chance to get him before that news drops. But uh, I, I struggle that that gauge that the offense won't change, you know. Uh, but th- at this point in value, if I'm sending a third round pick for Russell Gage, I'll take Russell Gage over a third round pick. I, I just don't like. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Still, I, I just don't see them throwing the ball less because what are they going to, you know, Mike Davis is going to, you know, get 325 carries or something on the ground. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I it's, that. it's, it's possible. It's possible, but I, th- I think they're going to throw the ball a lot still. What, what, what do you think, Jake? I think uh, Julio Jones is like all but gone at this point. Correct. Like consensus. Uh, it, we want to say that I, they, they have gone. to, he's I mean, he said, he said he's gone. So, and based so on the set. They have so to move him because they Gage, need to if Gates moves up to like a buck 25, like 68, 65 caches and some great yards. It could be a really it's, good pick. It's like a, I love the suggestion. It's like a home run almost, especially with Julio's targets potentially opening up. Obviously, people think uh, like Pitt stepping in there, but he's not a direct replacement for Julio. We're still talking about a rookie tight end. Obviously, we think he's generational unicorn type, and so be it. Gage, like Will just said, he had 100 targets last year. That's not going to go down if Julio goes. If Julio's yeah. out of the lineup, he's going to be fantasy relevant. And I know I keep specifying best ball or not, like he, he will have boom weeks. I guarantee it. Yeah. I, I just think he's like a, even after the, you know, Julio gets traded. Yes. Gage's value will go up a little bit, but I, I don't think anyone's going to be excited about him. So I, I still think he could scoop it up, scoop him up pretty cheap. So, um, but, and, and he's probably well, like a throw-in guy. Obviously, you're not going to go out and necessarily target him specifically for a for a rookie pick. I think he's a guy that you know you you can you kind of get thrown into a deal. And for for all the Pitts hype, and I, don't get me wrong, love Pitts. We still have to see how Pitts kind of fits into the NFL as a tight end. It's one of the most injury-prone positions in the league, uh, and he was hurt last year. So if that if like if Pitts were to go down, this passing offense just becomes wild. If it's Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley, 
And even if you throw an Olamide Ol- Ol- Zacchaeus into there, he-, he could be a really good, good sneaky pickup. But uh, I just don't uh, – yeah, it's again, it's one of those tossing guys, which I like. I like. I want that because I just want – at the end of your wide receiver roster, you just want to have, like, some people you can, like, pluck and play occasionally. I would pay more for Russell Gage than John Brown. I think that's probably consensus based on age, but uh, I'm just looking for a season out of him. But I think it's totally fair. Russell Gage is, has youth and can still develop and become better. They're both cons- like considered pretty irrelevant fantasy wise. Like people aren't gonna have trouble. Like, oh, I'm not gonna trade you, Russell Gage. Um, um, I also this, this is what we talk about here. We talk about uh, the French guys. I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker getting him thrown into an R- Russell Gage. Right? No, so, no, I can't. I can't do that. No. Right. So I think he's the perfect kind of guy that if you have a deal already done or someone sends you an offer, I'll do that deal. But add Russell Gage. Hey, I couldn't get Philip Lindsay thrown into a deal at one point. <laughs> I was, I was so disappointed about that. I'm still such a big Philip Lindsay fan, but couldn't get him thrown in. He's the same kind kind of guy. Yeah, he was seeing over 80% snap share on like every game. So he's not losing that. Even if they don't, even if they kept Julio, he's seeing the field. All right. So we, we, Russell Gage, we, we, we like that one. Um, let, let's go, Jake, to your next wide receiver. Let's do it. Um, so my next guy is Antonio Brown. Um, what is there to say about Antonio Brown? He's one of the best. <laughs> I think we can all agree he's one of the best wide receivers of all time. Before his off-field stuff, like he was walking into the Hall of Fame. I remember people talking like he has a Jerry Rice longevity arc to him based on his playing style. Obviously, off the field, he doesn't compare to Jerry Rice like even a little bit. Um, so there's obviously off-the-field concerns, and I'm pretty sure those are still ongoing. But he has a chance right now to play a full season. Maybe he suspended two games, something like that. But He's going to play a majority of the year and the past two years, he is not. Um, I think compared to Godwin's and Evans, he's being extremely undervalued where they're probably being overvalued in my opinion, because I think each week it's like, I don't think you can pick between those guys each week. I think it's like a, uh, what is a coin flip for three sides? But that's what I think it is. eh. I got to think of a better analogy for that, but I think that's pretty much what it is, right? Um, they're going to have a, they have a very similar target share. So I think for the value that you can get Antonio Brown right now, like we're talking about one of the best talents in football. And I don't think that went anywhere. So if it was like a, a Denzel Mims and Antonio Brown for Damian Harris type of deal, I would take that for, I would sell Harris for that. Yeah. So you're putting like Brown at like a second round value. Rookie drafts? Yeah, I wouldn't sell Brown like for less second? than a second. Um, I honestly wouldn't sell Brown for the Almond Raw range of second. I I feel like I'd probably have to add to get into like the Terrence Marshall range, but I wouldn't sell for underneath it. I, I would disagree, Jake, um, with with your with Antonio Brown. I mean, I, I wouldn't send a se- I, I wouldn't send a second round pick for Antonio Brown. Um, I I think he's he's one of those guys that if you can get something for now with people thinking, okay, he's going to be attached to Tom Brady. You should do it. I mean, and I'm kind of surprised to hear you. I mean, I guess for cheap production, it might work out for you for a year, right? We're talking about one year in this Tampa Bay offense, Tom Brady, if you could send a third round pick, I I guess, you know, why not? Um, But for me, I I see it him as kind of a roster clogger because he's, 
he's 32 and he is a ticking time bomb. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to get to the 2021 season. I mean, he's, I mean, he's going to do something stupid. So uh, for, for me, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I could, you're right. I mean, he could have a really productive year and he's obviously uber talented that town has gone away, but I just think all things considered, I just, I don't know. I, I, I just feel, feel like he's kind of a roster clogger, but that's just me. So I, I was, more that's, that's my that counterpoint, I guess. I would, uh, I would sell AB for that like second range. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't acquire him in that range either. Um, I'd probably consider sell, um, acquiring him for that late second. Um, but it'd be a tough sell. I like, uh, I like getting a little something on top. Maybe I get a, I'm just moving down in the draft and I'm acquiring AB. Um, comparing to like John Brown and Russell Gage, um, I think AB probably has more value than those guys but I think he definitely should have more value than those guys. Like, well, yeah. Like I'm just saying that uh, from a roster clock perspective, AB is a way better fantasy asset than those two in my perspective. I, I, I definitely want to um, gauge over um, Antonio Brown. AB. Yeah. But I, oh, that, I have but, a really hard time with that. that. But that said, I mean, if you, if you look at what he did, he, you know, in, if you extrapolate his numbers, so he played eight games, so you extrapolate them 16, well, or let's just say, say 16 games, did look at last year, I know it's 17 yeah, games yeah, this year. Yeah, keep it comparable. Uh, yeah, so 100, 120 targets, 90 catches, eight touchdowns, you extrapolate that, that's pretty darn good. So I, I just, I, I wonder if he can do it. I just, I just, I don't know. I just, like I said, we, you know, he's, he's just kind of a ticking time bomb. So I, I just, I just yeah. remember the characters. He obviously has the talent. No, I agree. But, yeah, and, I, and I agree with that too. Like, but John Brown and Russell Gager are—they're no effing Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, well, we're talking about one of the most elite talents in the NFL at some point in time. It's like right. later Fitzgerald when he's thirty-three. I'm not selling John yeah. Brown at this point in time or Russell Gage for uh, later Fitzgerald when he was thirty. Or like that, you know, those kind of receivers that can age well. I don't trust that Antonio Brown's Antonio Brown's going to age well. And I don't think it should be in comparison. But uh, I do, I do like the idea that AB is a great buy. It just is like, how, how do you acquire him? Like I, I, he, I've had him added to deals, but the people who want, they, they add him and then want like a more value back. I'm not willing to sell uh, my future second for Antonio Brown at this point in time. If I don't have a, like a team that just needs that one extra, like little wide receiver depth, you know what I mean? Like it's, you, you can't, that that's the hard part. Cause yeah. he's more likely to be out of league than to be productive for you at this point is my opinion. It's definitely a it's a one year buy in my view, just like the other guys we've talked about so far. Right. No. F- fair. Fair enough. And he's an interesting name because it, it could it could work out for you, or, or even if he gives you half a season like he did last year, you know, he could have some really good games and, and help you out. So, um, well, who's your next wide receiver? All right. So my next one is uh, it's T. Y. Hilton. So he he did started to come on at the end of last year. He kind of smashed at the end of the season uh, with Indy. He's coming in with a uh, stronger arm QB and potentially just a better QB situation overall and how they're kind of meshing in this offseason. It's a little bit of an error street right there. But in trade calculators where, where I could find him, uh, basically T.Y. Hilton's valued at like a mid-third-round pick. Uh, he's 31, which I get is, again, aging out. But he is on that like A-B spectrum of talent. And they have a stronger arm QB to throw it to him further downfield. And I, I just think that like, again, a mid third round pick for T Y Hilton with his talent signing for one year for Indy. Uh, I, I want to scoop that up any chance I get. 
So, yeah. I, th- I, I went through the GLF trade calculator. That's what I was finding. It was like that he's like a mid third round rookie pick. And that's just, oh. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I'd prefer eight Antonio Brown. But if you're saying mid third round rookie pick, then I guess consensus, it prefers Antonio Brown. Um, and yeah. I was just saying, based on you're looking for a guy for both guys are rentals, right? They're one, two years, like if you're lucky, right? They're looking for this year scoring. Um, and I don't think he's a bad guy by any means. Um, but I would, I think Gage, Antonio Brown, and maybe John Brown versus T.Y. Hilton might be a conversation. I would take, I would take T.Y. over John Brown and Russell Gage. The thing about, AB is if AB gets right, like, and everything like like plays out well, he's the best talent. Like we like that's not really a question. He's being marketed so, way too low. If that's the but that's but he has case. such a higher risk upside of being out of league in a year. So that that's not the point but, I'm trying to make here. What I'm saying is Ty Hilton for a mid third round rookie pick for him being a startable asset for the entire season is completely conceivable to me. So that value versus that third round rookie pick, who are you grabbing there? You you grabbing like a like the third tight end off the board, uh, a sixth round running back. Like, what's your goal there versus a could be week in and week out starter at wide receiver? The the I think the thing with with T Y Hilton too is that odds are he's the wide receiver one in, in Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, so 93 targets last year. So he, you think he's going to see around 100 targets, and they may be better targets because there's a there's a possibility that Carson Wentz could be could be a good quarterback. He could be better than Philip Rivers was. So, so I, I think there's a little bit outside with T.Y. Hilton. Um, I, th- I think for the price, I think it's it's a fine bet to to make. It just depends on if you're comfortable with that. I think on the downside is we really haven't seen him perform well for a while, and he's on the older side of things. And it wasn't like he was an elite. Um, prospect, you know, coming into the league, he was a, you know, came from a small school, uh, a late round uh, draft pick, if, if memory serves. So, and usually those guys, the, the, those profiles, they don't, they don't age well. They don't play well into their thirties. But I, I think it's worth a shot for the price, because because he has been, you know, a wide receiver one in his career. So maybe maybe he'll catch lightning in a bottle. So I think it's a good name to throw out there. Well. I was just saying, like, the value is just, ugh. You need starters. That's the thing in Dynasty that I think sometimes we forget at wide receivers. You just need some starters. We're talking about guys that we have seen do it before, right? Like, T.Y. Hilton has had multiple top 24 wide receiver seasons. A.B. has been a top three wide receiver for years. John Brown has had top 24 wide receiver seasons. So we've seen these guys do it, and obviously they all have risk because we're talking about aging wide receivers who are who can be acquired cheap. Um. Scott Barrett last year had a really popular article called Upside Wins Championships. Um, and title pretty much speaks for what the article is about. Um, and I think with all of these guys, um, of course they all have risk, but their upside is we've seen it. Like ABs could be all the risk isn't worth their upside. Like their risk is zero points, but that's the risk of every every player, right? So if you can get a guy who can hit at a top 24 season and is not being priced, not nearly to that where they're almost free, where if they don't hit first four weeks into the season, you can drop these guys and it not bother you whatsoever. These are the guys you want on your team or at the end of your roster, because they could be the reason you win your league. 
so another guy that let, let's move on um to, to th this is a name i can't believe i put on the show sheet because i'm not the biggest fan of this guy but this is purely based on a on a blurb that i read on the athletics i want you guys to react <laughs> it's 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 mike williams our friend mike williams who plays for the los angeles chargers Ooh. so he so there's a new offense and um there I, I think i think lombardi is their offensive coordinator who was from uh the you know the saints offense sean payton and basically mike williams is going to be x receiver in this offense, just like Michael Thomas is the X receiver for the Saints offense. So he was basically talking, basically this is the quote from, from Lombardi. As much as this offense will resemble New Orleans, he plays the X and the ball has always kind of found the X receiver in this offense, Lombardi said of Williams. I think there will be some natural production that comes his way because of the nature of the offense. Lombardi added, I see a big role for him. If I were a betting man, I'd bet on nice numbers coming from him on the stat sheet that's for sure so i i put the name here because we we I, talk about a guy we've seen he's not super old we we've seen it from mike williams at times where we've had years where he caught a lot of balls or caught a lot of touchdowns never a year we've he's done both but maybe this is a year he's attached to justin herbert he's a wide receiver too you know they, they lost hunter henry so uh, that maybe vacates some targets there so is there a world where Mike Williams could be, he'll be the wide receiver too for the chargers, but you know, could, could he, could he be a high end wide receiver too? Is it, is it possible? Cause he doesn't cost a lot to acquire. And, and I think there's some upside here in theory. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think of Mike Williams? Ryan, I booed you because we're a Joshy Palmy fan club this podcast. <laughs> oh, Joshy Palmy. We are. We are. You put lemonade and tea the same thing. You get Joshy Palmy. But hedge your bets with Joshy Palmy because you, you got him on your roster. You drafted him late or, or, or bid on him late in your auction. So you got you already got him. You might as well get the other guy and to see which one of these guys emerges. I mean, I thought we we're talking about actual veterans, not 30 year wide receivers. I was gonna I'm gonna bring up Brian Edwards soon, so no. Uh, Ryan, I do think so. Mike Williams' ceiling is the roof, right? According to Michael Jordan, uh, <laughs> he so he is he's had the epitome of two. The thing is, like last year, I just we, we gotta see him stay healthy, but you want a piece of this Chargers receiving off like offense. But again, what I want to come back to is like, what are you paying for Mike Williams in, in a dynasty league? Like, I, I, I agree. He's a great person to target who might be down on, but the person who owns Mike Williams at this point in time, they're not, uh, what are they selling for? Like a mid, like again, that Terrence, that Terrace Marshall range. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I mean, you'd I, be I just, surprised Jake at how high people are on Mike Williams moving forward. I see Mike Williams in Russell Gage range. Yeah. Oh, I take I, Mike Williams over Russell Gage every day of the week. Slam 360 slam dunk. I, I, I don't, I, I'm I'm just plugging. I'm I'm just using the dynasty short calculators. as kind of a, yeah, a it's good little barometer for us. So they've got him at at a five point six. This is a twelve team PPR superflex league. So I think that gets him Joshy into value. Palmy. Like maybe what is that? What is the two hundred one worth? Oh, that's way too much for him. That's what I thought. So I don't know. Are we looking like mid second, late second round pick? Yeah, Let's see. Late second. Let's see the two hundred one. Amon Ra or Mike Williams? Yeah, I'd take Mike Williams because I think after Mike Williams has production, I, I would bet more 
that Mike Williams has a better season than Amonara this year, and you can flip that. Yeah, but basically the equivalent of the two of six, essentially. Mike Williams are the, the two of six, and you're right, that's Amonara range. You know, when, once you get and that I'm two a big of six fan range, of Amonara. Yeah. First of all, great name. Uh, the family situation is a little bit odd, but I I think Amonara is I. So this might be a little bit of uh, vividness bias is that Amon Ra tore up the Hawks when they played him in the bowl game. I think we ended up taking home the win, but uh, it's he is so dynamic. He's so good. But I think for coming to this NFL season, Mike Williams will be valued over Amon Ra moving into next season. That's where I'd end up at. That's where I, I'd, put, I'd place my gamble. Mike Williams has undeniable opportunity right like we're looking at him as the wide receiver two on a justin herbert offense which what's not to love about that the problem for me is like in a dynasty perspective is he's in the last year of his deal and i think they just drafted his replacement who although i didn't know josh palmer who he was two months ago i think he could be better than mike williams because mike williams hasn't shown me that he can that he's elite in any means i think just uh, mike williams is just a guy and the reason why they uh drafted josh palmer was that he was beating the top secondary in the draft class right so i don't think they're going to be worried to toss him into x if mike williams isn't like meeting expectations I, like i i could see them more looking towards the future and who they just drafted in the third round rather than the last getting the last using the last year of mike williams right yeah, and because I don't, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. And I think that the key, the key point here though is like they could have Josh Palmer in the background, but at this point in time, Mike Williams is a better NFL receiver than Josh Palmer is coming, like coming out of the gate. Absolutely. His, yeah, into the season. So that's why I'm saying like I would, I would want the Mike Williams share then to move that when we don't see as much of Josh Palmer as we thought we would if he's fully healthy because Josh Palmer isn't the like he's not the Jalen Guyton, he's not the. Oh, uh, was it Tevin Jones? Johnson, Tyler Johnson? I don't know. No, Jones. The other wide receiver in the team, the deep threat that that uh, Herbert just elevated this whole wide receiver core. Jalen Guyton. Yeah. No, I said Jalen Guyton. Tyron Johnson. Tyron Johnson. So I don't. I don't think Palmer fits those that role yet. But maybe he is. Maybe he booms too. And it's maybe I'm making a big mistake. But I don't think Mike Williams switching teams is is a big of a problem. Like if he has a really great year, because with these kind of like Hopkins moves and other wide receiver moves, we're kind of going to a new era of wide receiver switching teams. We'll see how it works out with uh, Galladay and everything like that. And I'm not putting him on that tier, but I think that you he just might be more valuable after this season because Mike Williams, in my opinion, isn't just a guy. He is a great receiver, but he's more likely to get hurt than not. That's the risk you take. So. I will take Mike Williams over Josh Palmer at this point in time. Like if you're just putting him in the rookie draft, but I, I wouldn't feel like super like pumped about it. You know, it's just, he was the top, he was the seventh overall pick a couple years ago. Yeah. He's, he's had a very interesting career. Yeah. In his second year, you know, the, the, you know, the 10 touchdowns on, on 43 receptions. And I then called he, that reversal. By <laughs> the way. Then he had two touchdowns with a thousand with, yards. Know, yeah, a thousand. So he he's had this very odd career. Uh, so and, and we'll see what happens. I, I just thought that was an interesting quote and kind of brought up his name again. Um, and, and I do think that not that's a high chance, but there's a world where Mike Williams could have a very productive 2021. So I just wanted to throw his name out there for us to have a discussion. I'm not I, I, of the names I've given. He's like like I don't know how 
how much action I want to take to acquire Mike Williams, but he's a little bit more intriguing to me than he was before. So just, just if his name does come up in trade discussions uh, for me, I, I might try to get him thrown into a deal because I'm a little bit intrigued and I don't think he's that expensive. So, um, well, let's, let's do, let's do one more, one more round of, of wide receivers. So Jake, who's your, or if you want to mention a couple of guys, so you've got a couple of guys left. So do you want to mention, why don't you mention them both here? So different ends of the spectrum. Um, you've heard me mention Brian Edwards before. Um, I like Brian Edwards because I was super high on him headed into the draft last year. Um, he was one of my guys, extremely early breakout age. I think he might have the earliest breakout age out of anybody. Um, I think he broke out when he was 17 years old. Um, he has an extremely high dominator rating. He was one of the better guys, obviously to break out early, you have to be one of the better guys on your team early. So he's got an extremely high dominator rating. Um, He's, he was a number three um, rated for breakout rating on the Breakout Finder app last year, and he would rank number two this year behind uh, Jamar Chase. He's not being rated nearly as high as any of the tier two wide receivers from this class, where I think if he was in this draft class, he would be. Um, we talked about the Raiders offense already. Um, it's pretty open with just John Brown, uh, Hunter Renfro, Henry Ruggs. Darren Waller is pretty much the only stay steady, steady together with uh, John Brown being a veteran present. He's going to see the field a lot this year. So I just think Brian Edwards has a lot of potential given his price right now. And he's still super young. So if he spikes in value, he's going to stay there. My other guy completely opposite end of the spectrum is Michael Thomas. Um, He's one year away from being the wide receiver one in the national football league. Obviously, he gets criticism for being slant boy, um, but I don't think Michael Thomas is restricted to just running slants. Um, Last year, so people are worried about his QB situation. Last year, Drew Brees, in my opinion, wasn't very good. I think Jameis Winston this year. Before that, it wasn't very good either. Exactly, right? So I don't understand why people are so worried about Taysom Hill. Understandably, there's some worry there. But Jameis Winston being the QB for Michael Thomas, that's almost wheels up for me, right? There's Taysom Hill, Adam Troutman. It's pretty blank there as well. And Michael Thomas has been known to soak up the targets. And if he's soaking up Jameis Winston targets, I love that. Can I give you uh, Michael Thomas? I think even if Taysom Hill started some games, uh, Michael Thomas is one of the best raw runners in the the league. He's maybe the best wide receiver in the league at this moment. He got hurt last year early when he got rolled up on, on a really late, like fourth quarter, like trick play. And then he had some combat, like he combated with the team about it, everything like that. But he got paid. He is ready to go for this year. Like this kind of alpha dog in Michael, like Michael, Michael Thomas is an alpha and he's not going to just like sit there and relax and not going to be targeted because he's going to be wide open because he is a, he's a craftsman at the position. And, and, the thing is, like, he's like what, like a dynasty, like if you look at like startup superflex league, he's like a third round pick now. That's insane for your wide receiver one. You want that kind of production because he doesn't just win on speed; he wins on skill. You know, you it, it that's the that's projectable three years out easily. So I think that's a great buy low. Uh, Brian Brian Edwards tough because he didn't he didn't really do anything. It's just tough because he didn't see the field. Yeah, it's just yeah it. So it, it's, it's tough that that career track is hard to buy into analytically, but I'm into buying Brian Edwards. It just, again, it just kind of depends on price, you know, like, like, like Michael Thomas, I'm, I'm actually willing to pay a lot for, 
Uh, Brad Edwards, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go out and acquire him because I don't want that risk because I also don't think Michael Thomas's upside is to be a WR1, like the number one wide receiver again. He could, he could literally do that. We've seen wide receivers do that with bad quarterbacks, uh, a la DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, Brad, Brad Edwards, I don't, I, I just don't know what, what, what I want to do with him. So I, I pulled up a sleeper ADP. Michael Thomas is wide receiver 12, and he's going at the end of the fourth. Yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. Which yeah. is, which is, which is which just makes me want to do startups. Yeah, that, that's, I mean, we can all agree, Michael Thomas. And he, he still is a, is a buy low. I mean, he's a guy that you can acquire, obviously cheaper than he was, was a year ago. So I, I feel confident that if you get him, he's going to produce what you, what you pay. Um, Brian Edwards is interesting to me because, well, you're talking about what to do, what to, what to spend to acquire him. I mean, obviously if there's somebody like Jake that was targeting Brian Edwards last year and they went out to get him, they really see the promise in him. He, he may be hard to pry away, but I think there are probably Brian Edwards owners out there that drafted a guy that he didn't produce and, you know, well, you know, if, if these guys don't show something early on, they're probably not going to produce. So I want to sell them. So I think you get to acquire them pretty cheap. And what's interesting about Brian Edwards is that there is a role for him in this offense. Cause we, we talked about how Nelson Aguilar had left. I talked about, he had he didn't have very many targets, but he had eight touchdown passes. I think that Brian Edwards with his size is their contested catch guy in the end zone when they're not going to Darren Waller. So I, I think that there's a world where he could, have doubled as a touchdown passes in, in 2021. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm intrigued by Edwards as well. We're coming up though on two, like his last year in college and this year, he's been pretty banked up. Uh, he's got to figure out his body and how, how it's going to work. So, but with, with Brian Edwards, it's like, would I take Brian Edwards or again, I think this is a good, like a uh, delineation point is like, I'm going to Ross St. Brown. So, or like like Josh Palmer, who went when the third and won on day two of the draft. Uh, I think I would take both uh, Amon Ra and Josh Palmy over Brian Edwards. Wow, I, I wouldn't take Amon Ra over over Brian Edwards. I'd take Brian Edwards. I, I like that you asked that question because I go to pull up my rankings and they are side by side in the same tier: number wide receiver fifty three and wide receiver fifty four. Yeah, it's going huh. super. It's, it's so it's going super deep down the ranks. So that's why if I'm passionate about Brian Edwards, I'll I'll pay that price. And if somebody needs like an extra third on top of that, I'll I'll pay that. You know what I mean? It's like like follow your passion. If you really believe in Brian Edwards, do that. Or if you don't, sell Brian Edwards for that. And when somebody else thinks they they need a little bit more, you can you can get that. That those are the kind of moves because Brian Edwards could he could boom pretty hard. Is is my opinion? But I honestly. Just gotta, just gotta, would have liked to see him some more. He could boom hard and in the exact same breath. If he doesn't see the field again, he could flame out completely, right? Like his value is gone. Yeah, like this season, if he doesn't do anything, it's he's like JJ Arcega Whiteside. Like, see yeah, him. I just think he's like, I think he's a dog. I think he's gonna show out this year. He didn't see the field last year, so I think if he sees the field, he's gonna show up. But it's we're still talking about the Las Vegas Raiders offense here, so. Which is yeah. one of the it's one of the most uh, enigmatic offenses. I just don't you you pick the right pieces it's gonna be a big boom. So gamble on it. it they uh, they didn't address the wide receiver position outside of John Brown. So obviously they invested heavily in the position last year. I'd like to think that they're going to 
justify their picks. Let's hope so. I hope, honestly, I hope Ruggs really booms. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I'm I'm pessimistic that's going to happen, but um, it, w- it would be nice to see them utilize him correctly and, and for him to have a nice career. Uh, w- Will, do you want to name the, the remaining guys on, on your list? You got a couple more guys, right? A couple more wide receivers. Oh, yeah, we should probably wrap this up pretty quickly. Uh, one is Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks makes you want to throw up in your mouth at this point in time when you try to throw him out any sort of fantasy offer. It's been horrible having him and trying to move him because everybody just says, like, I don't even want Brandon Cooks in this offer. Uh, he was wide receiver 16 last year on, like, ish in PPR and points per game and in total points. So there's no more Will Fuller. He boomed pretty hard without Will Fuller at the end of the season. So I'm just, you want to lean into this uncertainty because he's so – you can get Brandon Cooks thrown into a deal, I feel like, relatively cheaply, and he might be the best receiver that we talked about besides Michael Thomas out of this group um, overall. So that's uh, that's one thing, just in my experiences of having Brandon Cooks and trying to move him, that it makes me – when I go and have a player and I try to move him and I get a very negative response, it makes me think that, like, okay, that may be a player I need to acquire on other teams because his value is lower than what I have met. So that's where Brandon Cooks sits. It was Jameson Crowder. I. Uh, when I wrote this, he's probably he's is probably going to be cut. Uh, we we don't really know at this point now, with uh, Corey Davis having like that injury and how they're all going to work it out. But he was wide receiver twenty one in points per game in PPR last year. Uh, if he lands in a remotely okay spot, that's a huge win. Even teams like the Lions would be a huge boon, you know. So his his I looked up DLF, looked up Trade Finder. He's a early to mid round uh, rookie pick this season. And if you put them on the Patriots, eh, it's fine. But Dolphins, Titans, Chiefs, Eagles, Bears, I already mentioned the Lions, Packers, Saints, could all be great spots for him to land. And he's going to have the opportunity to do that. He also only turns 28 in June. Yeah, I, I, I like the embracing the uncertainty of Jamison Crowder because you're right, he probably will get cut, but maybe he goes someplace. Because there are a lot of teams that could use wide receiver help. I mean, I think the Titans are in particular at the top of that list. Um I like the Bears wide receiver depth chart. Well, I think the Chiefs, the Chiefs tried to sign Juju. They're going to sign Jamie Crowdy. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Could you imagine the value boom? It's ginormous. Jameson Crowder is incredibly talented. When he's on the field, like he's fantasy relevant more so than people realize. I remember him being a, a very great uh, daily fantasy guy. Yeah. Uh, and sorry, Ryan, I interrupted you, but I just got really excited about no, no, no. Crowder. Because no. like <laughs> these like fringe dude, this is why the Joes exist. Even the like the role of a slot wide receiver, they typically last longer too. Like the Cole Beasley types, like that's his best uh, comparable player. And I don't see James and Crowder falling off a cliff anytime soon. Like he plays his role perfectly. Yeah. In a PPR league, you'll be able to plug him into to the flex of nothing else and, and probably be happy with what he gives you. And I, I, going back to Brandon Cooks, well, I, I like that call because he's, I think he's one of the most disrespected guys in Dynasty because all he does is produce. And I understand why people are down on him with that uncertainty in Houston. I mean, because who's going to throw him the ball? I mean, is Watson going to be there? Um, who's his QB? But I, I think that he's going to be the wide receiver one and he's probably going to be the, the, he could be like the, the centerpiece of that offense. And, and that's going to have some value. Yeah. You know? He's also a great wide receiver. Yeah. He's switched teams multiple times and he has a concussion history. So I get that there is risk, but his, 
And it's also that end of year fantasy production versus get, like week to week. Yeah, he's a tough plug and play. I I, I I know it and I've lived it. So, but he's just like nobody wants Brandon Cooks. So I am going to try to scoop up more Brandon Cooks. That's the like that's where this kind of comes from. Like I, I I'm gonna go out and try to get him. I think people realize that he's a value in redrafts, best ball league type of thing. But dynasty, I think. I agree. Everyone is staying away. Like his concussion passed for one. Like, I think I mentioned in a previous pod that I fear that Brandon cooks is like one hit away from being out of the league. Yeah. Yeah. But, but isn't every, like that every player is right. So yeah. the Adams is this too, honestly, he's yeah. a lot of concussions as well. Yeah. So, but it's so scary. Banner cooks guys. is like easily the wide receiver one on the team. Obviously it's people probably expect zero wins from Houston. But he, <laughs> but they'll be in garbage time every single week, right? Like, uh, I think yeah. it'd be silly to discount Cooks too much, just especially because it's cost, right? Like, you're getting a, and my, I would assume a wide receiver too, right? Yeah, I was heard uh, at this point in time the average projected, uh, uh, sorry, missing like the average projected margin per game is the Texans are like six and a half to seven and a half point dogs on average every week of the season. The <laughs> Cooks is going to get the ball. I know. If you could bet that now, just let me bet the season. I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll have plenty of three and outs and the, like the offense might not see the field too often, but if, if anyone on the, if any wide receiver on that team is going to get points, it's going to be Cooks. Guys, I'm going to throw on just, just a couple more names and we'll, we'll get out of here. Um, and I'm not sure how good I feel about these names, but I do think they're interesting for the price. The first one is Mikkel Hardman because, you know, he we've seen flashes. He's one of the fastest guys in the NFL. I mean, he needs to obviously improve his route running. He clearly is probably the fourth option at best in the offense. I realize that Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and and probably Ceh honestly are going to get, um, you know, more feature in the offense. But I I think he's talented. And now that Sammy Watkins is gone, Demarcus Robinson did resign. I, I just think he's an interesting name to monitor. It wouldn't surprise me if he boomed a little bit this year. And I feel like he could be that post-hype sleeper, you know, breakout guy. So I just wanted to throw his name out. Cause I think you know, for the price, he's kind of an interesting guy to acquire. And then the, the, the guy that's probably almost free and it's probably not going to work out because he gets injured all the time. But that's Paris Campbell in Indianapolis. We talked about T Y Hilton, um, you know, with T Y Hilton's age, if that doesn't work out, you know, I think Paris Campbell, if he's healthy, is is talented enough to, you know, to be the wide receiver one in in um in Indianapolis. That's probably wishful thinking, though. But I, I just I don't know. I, I just think these are guys that you know, have some talent, and for whatever reason, maybe Hardman's just not good enough. Maybe he's just a one trick pony, and he's just fast. And um, maybe with Paris Campbell, he just can't stay healthy. But I, I just wanted to throw those names out there as guys that. I think are pretty cheap that maybe you could get his throw-ins that, that that have potential to pop a little bit this year. Yeah. I love the Miko Harvin take just because he was late to the wide receiver position. He could be that like extra year boom. And in that offense, you want just pieces. If you can get him as cheap as possible, great player to add to the team. His upside is, is still tremendous, uh, which I, I really do believe uh, for we down to Paris Campbell one. Uh, still love the ad. Did you see uh, Carson Wentz and Moyle Cox going at it at a oh yeah knock, some knockout? Yeah. So one Moyle Cox, Cox was a great 
college basketball player. And the fact that there was it was even a competition is ridiculous. So, and I love that that kind of team, like that kind of hype video though makes it just like you're integrating the team. You're going against more like more like is so much better than Carson Wentz at basketball. It's not even close. Like Moya Cass probably could have been a pro basketball player, or at least like close to it, um, which I think is really fun for that Colts offense. So if you're buying the cheapest piece of the Colts offensive wide, wide receiver core, like my see Hill and Ryan, we were talking about actual veterans, not Paris <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think Paris Campbell's pretty cheap. I, I still like he was really good in that like half game that he played last season. It was honestly, and you extrapolate that out, right? If you extrapolate out his snaps, <laughs> if you just went snaps, he would have crushed it. Hey, and even if he doesn't produce for Which fantasy, is, I, I just hope that he stays healthy for the guy that he just has, like, gets on the field and, and gets to play some games. Yeah. For. He's Which, which is the point of the episode, like, of, of this is, like, let's talk about some disrespected guys who we can maybe go acquire a little bit of the cheap, and these are worthwhile assets. I think every single person we talk about is a worthwhile asset, at least to have at the end of your bench. If somebody gets hurt, you can either drop them, put them in the are, you're fine. They've A lot of them have had injuries, but they're a uh, Really high upside fantasy assets. Might say maybe John Brown. He's probably the okay fantasy asset too. He'll, it's a little bit better. Jake, you have any hope for Michael Hardman or Paris Campbell? I think these are uh, great selections by you. I love me veterans who are 23 years old. Those are <laughs> the veterans for me. But Brian Edwards is like still 30 19, year. man. 30 year players. Oh, I was. T- I'm talking about Hardman and Campbell right now. But <laughs> I, yeah, Edwards is young too. Um, Hardman is a guy I. I didn't lo- not like it all last year. Um, I thought he would get replaced in the draft. Um, and they only acquired Cornell Powell, which right. is fantastic mm, for Nicole Hartman. Me too. He's a, he's swole as, as hell. He's jacked as a Mack truck, but McCole Hartman, I don't think Cole uh, Powell is going to take Hartman off the field, completely different roles. I think we can agree that Hartman, I think is better than Pringle and Robinson. I agree that he's probably a late bloomer. We're talking four, three, three wheels. And we're just talking about Patrick Mahomes offense, right? So if he has some boom weeks, that's all we're really looking for for McCole Hartman, right? And I think he is way in that range of outcomes. Like that's completely in his potential. Paris Campbell, I love. Um, he was a guy who I liked a lot in his draft year. Four, like he runs four, three, one. So this guy can blaze. Um, he's still six, six foot, 205. So he's got the size print like that you're looking for. Um, best comparable player to Santana Moss. And we just haven't seen him play. Like you guys said, it's really disappointing because I think he was probably the perfect Philip rivers receiver out of the slot for him. He was, he was like, he got nine targets his first week last year. So I think the coaching staff had saw big things for him. Hopefully the injury doesn't derail him too much. If he can come back to close to um, what he was as a prospect, I think wheels up for Paris Campbell. Yeah, we'll we'll see though. It's not it's not a good start. Nine games played out of a possible thirty-two. That's not a, yeah. not a good way to start your career. Oof, but, but but like uh, we're talking about guys with who are cheaper costs, right? Or lower. Oh, they're, they're oh yeah. Have that's our risk. whole that's our whole shtick. Yeah. Let's get the like everybody talks about every, like oh, <laughs> you know, like CD Lamb is going to break out this year. You know, things like that. Like I want to go on the fringe guys. Like that's what I feel like the Joes are about. I think the Paris Campbell, Brian Edwards, like those are the perfect kind of guys to acquire because they don't just have the one year potential. They have potential to be actual valuable assets to your dynasty rosters. Also, it was great to bring up the disrespect of Michael Thomas. That's insane to me. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, guys, this is the two minute warning chance to throw out any final thoughts, whether it's wide receivers or otherwise. So any, any, any other thoughts this week? Will Greenwood. Oh, ooh, ooh. Uh, getting the house painted. It's been a great time. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, Jake. I have two, um, both fantasy community related. Um, if you're an active best ball baller, like I am, you're probably listening to a bunch of podcasts, podcasts, and they're all uh, advertising underdog. In my opinion right now, DraftKings blows underdog out of the water. It's not going to be as colorful or as user-friendly, but they have way more options. And right now, in my opinion, the competition is easier. So I think you got a better chance of making your money back and you'll have nicer teams in the process. Um, they have $1 drafts. So I can do five DraftKings drafts for the price of one underdog draft. So if you're an addict like me and some of the degenerates I know, DraftKings is the place for you. Uh, my second point is, um, I don't know if you guys use Player Profiler. I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast. Um, unbelievable site. They have recently added Devi. So like they have prospects that aren't in the NFL that they haven't had um, previously. Um, they use their high school workouts. So you get some athletic metrics to these guys that you might not have had before. You get their recruit rating um, and you just get weight height like some of this information you know about these prospects right so player profiler added it to their player pool and i just wanted to shout that out because if you're if you're a debbie player get on player profiler because that's going to help you out um thank, thanks jake that's great I, I mean first of all i hope we got paid from from uh DraftKings for that that advertisement you yeah. gave for them but and um, that, no, that's cool that player profiler's got the Debbie. That's that's really great. So love, uh, love, I, was, I, was, I, I pulled up player profile tonight to look at uh, uh, Will Fuller versus Jalen Waddle's hand size, and it, it they took off their hand size on there. It's a little, oh. little bit saddened by it. That's my go-to for hand size. I got to find another go-to. You'll wow. find other sources. Don't worry. They're all, it's all over. Um, I I just want to say so. Because Ryan's a big hand size fashion. They, they so. kept it for quarterbacks. I don't know why it wouldn't be relevant information for wide receivers, though. Because Will Fuller has eight and a half inch hands, which is why Ryan always hates Will Fuller. That's right. That's the That's biggest right. thing is like he's got little duck, like little tiny baby hands, and he also went to Notre Dame. So like we're on the same page, Ryan. I or hate for Will, Will Fuller. <laughs> Uh, I, I just want to say, um, you know, sh- shout out to, to John Bosch and the Eliminator Leagues he runs. Um, he, he raised a ton of money for um, Fancy Carries and Scott Fishbowl. Um, but I just wanted to say I'm doing a couple of auctions in particular with with um, with the Eliminators. And I've never done the auction Eliminators. They've been a ton of fun. So just a reminder next year, if, if you want to do if you're on the fence about doing an Eliminator, but you don't want to do the draft the the auctions just a blast it's a way to scratch that itch because i i can only join so many auction leagues because it's just too time consuming and, and, and complicated but for these eliminators it's it's fun you know when it's over it's over we'll do the the best ball so i just wanted to say that that that's a good time so with that i think we're gonna get out of here we are the fantasy joes you can find us on twitter at ff joes you can support us on patreon basically we have a weekly patreon show that's patreon.com slash fantasy joes you can find will at Fancy Joe underscore Will on Twitter. Hit me up. Jake is at Takes Jake. And I am at Roto Librarian. So on behalf of Will Greenwood and Jake Patterson, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Yo, Jake, is that like a little Triforce on that t shirt? <laughs> <laughs>
the Legend of Zelda? It's a, it's an Arrowhead for sure. It's a company that Brad Marchand, the Boston Bruin player, and another Boston Bruin player have together. Oh, anything on the back? Uh, yeah, it's actually like got way more stuff on the back. <laughs> like, I don't know, is that, can you see that? Yeah. Dude, Marshawn seems like a great dude. Yeah, he's he's a guy you want on your team for sure. He's a guy you want your kid to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no? yeah, probably. Like, I would. Hockey player seems like a good dude. I guess that's fair. He's a he seems like actually a good person, but that's what I mean. A lot of a lot of people have uh, their qualms with Brad Marshawn, and I think that's more how Does he, he do on, best on stuff the on the ice, side. Right? Yeah, the off ice stuff. He used to be like a he used to have like the rat label. Oh. Yeah, maybe you don't want your kid to be. Maybe you want your kid to end up being. Uh, well, a professional hockey player. I don't think you're going to be too upset by. I would be. I don't. That's. I want to drive my kid to five a.m. practices five days of the week. That's going to be horrible. Um, Will, so you know that if you go on the data analysis of player profiler, you can still sort by hand size. Yeah, I just don't. I just like to go to the player page. Yeah, no, I definitely. I, I get it on the that. Like page. the thing about like player profilers, I feel like they should restrict more of their metrics than what they do for free. Yeah, you know, like that's the they should they get give it a lot for free. for free. Yeah, I agree. But no, I, I'm I was, on it way too frequently. Like every single time we talk about a player, I think I'm I'm like pulling and pulling it up, and like I think it's probably one of the more useful sites out there. Uh, nice we. Site. We added a fourth person to try to play some spike ball uh, this past week, and he was traveling to Kansas City to watch the Twins. And for, for whatever reason, somebody wanted to drive like five and a half hours to go watch baseball, which blows my Ew. mind. When I go to a Toronto Blue Jay game, I pretty much watch the CN Tower elevator screw up and down. <laughs> wow, you got baseball haters here, huh? Well, I had the Expos hat on at one point, and Jake didn't even notice. He's too, too young for that. Vladimir uh, Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero had pine tar. I think he was eating pine tar while he was hitting home runs off the ground. I'm very aware of the Montreal Expos, but uh, recently I was blown away that there was a Vancouver basketball team back in the day. Oh, yeah, the Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Yeah, Vancouver Now they're in Memphis, where where bears don't live. I had no idea. Oh, that's right. We're supposed to older than you. So, yeah, the Expos, what what year did they leave uh, Montreal? Was that? uh, 94, I think. It might have been. I think it was my birth year. Oh my gosh. I actually saw a game at that old Olympic stadium. I saw the Expos play there. Oh, my first That's game how old was, I am. My first game was Twins Expos with uh, Batista, but old Batista. We <laughs> had like the batting stance that was like wide uh, open. They don't yeah. bring the foot in. But Vlad was always my favorite player like growing up. One, because I played a lot of fantasy baseball and dude just crushed homers. Not all the time, but he wore no batting gloves, but he wore all the pine tar you could possibly fit on a bat. And helmet, Amazing. like his helmet is full of pine tar. He's full of pine tar. He's one of the first baggy pants kind of people, which I'm not a big fan of baggy pants style. But uh, he literally hit a homer off the dirt. The ball bounced, and he, he hit it out of the park. And that he just he would swing at anything because he didn't care. He's a baseball player, and he would fit so well into to the now MLB because you just want homers to strike out. Somebody cares, and uh, he just missed his era. Yeah, the, the, you know his son plays Vlad Vlad Jr. Yeah, for the Blue Jays. He'll never he'll yeah. never live up to it. No, he's a superstar. Yeah. No, is he wearing? He's, he's he, awesome. Is he yeah, he's really is he, good. Is he wearing? Is he wearing batting gloves? He'll never live up to it. Uh, he, he's a he's a stud. Dude. He's oh, got, he's like a top. 
top player. Yeah. yeah, I know. I've seen, I've seen Vlad too. No, yeah, he's got he, lots of swag. He wears batting. Sure. He's wears batting gloves and elbow armor. Vlad yeah. would wouldn't stand for that back in the day. He's crowned the plate, hitting hitting dingers. Uh, he'd hit dingers like they could try to pitch out, you know, try to intentionally walk him. He'd walk over and hit a ding. 